how do we get back authentic Christianity and decipher essential Christianity from a more culturally related one? Find out on this edition of the Bellator Christie Podcast. You are listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast, brought to you by bellatorchristie.com. Now join your host, Brian Chilton, as we enter the arena of ideas. Taking up the sword of Christian theology and the shield of classic apologetics while taking Christian truth into the arena of ideas, this is the Bellator Christie Podcast. And this is your host for our time together, yours truly, Brian Chilton. And we hope you're doing well wherever you may be. Uh, On today's podcast, we're going to uh, talk about a very important issue, uh, one that I think is a very important issue anyhow, and that's uh, called Recovering Authentic Christianity. And the question is, how do we get back authentic Christianity and decipher that from a more culturally related one? And this topic came up uh, from a, uh, a, a, a actually a, a discussion on social media, which stemmed from a uh, post that David Platt, uh, or a quote of, from David Platt, that says, We desperately need to explore how much of our understanding of the gospel is American-based and how much is biblical. And this is a very, very good question. Because a lot of the things that churches argue about or divide over even uh, are not so much based on biblical issues. Now, sometimes there are differences in denominations. There are reasons denominations uh, go different routes on certain issues, such as infant baptism, um, you know, uh, the church polity. Some church, some churches are more uh, ecclesiastically based in that they uh, have a hierarchy, and then others are more congregational based that they are ruled from uh, majority rule. And and quite frankly, even though I am saying this as a as a Baptist pastor, I must admit that there are strengths and weaknesses to both sides. There are weaknesses, I think, to the congregational model. You know, quite frankly, um, and and issues with that church polity that we're going to have to see how we handle um, as as a church moving forward, especially as we are inundated with a culture that is becoming less and less Christian. Uh, there are challenges involved with that. Um, we just have to admit that there are there are distinct challenges that come uh, in in. Uh, basically living more in a culture that is uh, where people are not groomed in Christ, we'll say, okay? Um, but how do we decipher that? A lot, a lot of the issues, we, we there are denominational splits over different ways of doing things, uh, but most of the splits that take place, most of the issues that take place happen over minuscule issues, and a lot of those times... Uh, those splits, things like that, come from stem from 
a more cultural-based Christianity than necessarily a biblical one. Dr. Leo Purser's class this past summer, we discussed how we as Americans have become ultra-competitive and individualized. We have come to the point where we will pick and choose churches over another. I belong to this church, and then we'll brag about this church. I belong to this other church. And and I've seen some churches that will say, well, you just need to come visit our church. Our church is better than that other church. We, we try to often steal people from other churches. And this does not come from a biblical mindset. In fact, it comes from a more American concept, I mean, an American ideology of competitiveness, individualization. Such thinking, as uh, is, is we learned, uh, as Dr. Purser was telling us, uh, that such thinking was not found in the earliest church, not the ultra-competitive this church versus that church, that it was the church. And a lot of times what we find in the, the writings of Paul is that when he uses the word you, many times the more plural version is is employed. And you know me, I have uh, mentioned many times over that I'm not a King James-only person. I use a very uh, varied amount of translations in my work. And quite frankly, normally don't use the King James Version that much. But there is one strength that the King James Version has over other translations. And that is the fact that the thee, thou, ye, you, there are singular versions and there are plural versions of the you. And that comes more evident in, I think, uh, the... the, uh, the, the plural use, singular use that are used in the King James Version. But a lot of times we miss that. We miss the plural version of you. Okay, American Christianity has been influenced by many factors. As Dr. R. Wayne Stacy noted on social media, I hope he doesn't mind me using this, but he put it out there, so I'm assuming he doesn't. He says, not just American influences, European influences, reformational influences, occidental, meaning the Western world influences, uh, Western culture. He says, the Bible, including the New Testament, was the product of Oriental, meaning Near Eastern ways of thinking, read Jewish into that, and absent an appreciation of that, we are likely to misread, misunderstand, and misappropriate much of what it says. And I give a big old hearty amen to that. So how do we peel away these cultural influences that may uh, alter our interpretation of Christianity? Well, I would, I would suggest at least five ways that we need to do this. Now, if, if this... Here's the part of the problem. Uh, in American Christianity, American Christianity has become a lazy Christianity. We, we want to just be able to pick up the Bible, read the Bible, and we don't want to deal with, with some of the other issues of it. But, but the problem is, is you're going to miss a lot. You're going to miss a lot if you don't do some investigation as to what the Scripture says. Okay, If you just pick verses out of nowhere, you're going to have problems, and you're going, and again, that comes from a more an Americanized version of Christianity. Okay, so here are five ways I would suggest that we can recover authentic Christianity. And we're always going to have biases, we're always going to have influences, we can't get away from that. But this will at least help us 
to focus on the essentials of Christianity and to gain back the authentic Christianity that the Bible teaches. Number one, investigate the Scriptures contextually. Investigate the Scriptures contextually. That means don't just read one verse. Read it together. Read it, read paragraphs. Read chapters. Okay? Don't cherry-pick verses out of context, and this is the big reason why many things, why many false doctrines come about. The devil is a master of this. The devil knows the Scripture, and he will cherry-pick verses out of context. He even did this with Jesus. If you don't believe me, go and read the temptation of Jesus in the Gospels. The devil cherry-picked verses and made them and placed them out of context. We do the same thing all the time. That's why whenever I preach expository preaching, as I do, I don't read just a few verses. I read paragraphs, and there and I do that for a reason. It takes a little longer reading the scripture, but I would rather take a little more time in the scriptures and limit a little time of what I have to say than than focus more on what I have to say and not so much on the scriptures. We have to read the scriptures in context. For instance, the, uh, the, the verse where two or three are gathered in my name, I'll be in the midst. A lot of times people use that as an excuse to have small gatherings. And is the Lord there with us when two or three are gathered? Absolutely. I'm not arguing that fact. But that's not what Jesus is saying. He is not using this as an excuse to to say that we can have small crowds in church or Bible studies or whatnot. What Jesus is talking about, he is, he, if you go back and keep the, text, the, the verse in context, his statement in context, he's talking about winning back a brother. If you have had a problem with someone and you're able to work through these problems and to uh, find a solution to whatever the problems are you're facing between two brothers who have two people who have an offense with one another he's basically saying you have won back your brother and where two or three are gathered in my name they've worked through these issues i am in the midst of that i am in the midst of forgiveness i am in the midst of bringing people together not divisions but unity i'm in the midst of that that's what he's saying but a lot of times we take verses out of context and we misappropriate what the verses are actually saying. We misappropriate what is being said. And let's be honest, none of us want to be misunderstood. But we do it to God all the time through his scriptures. We miss we 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 take verses out of context and apply them to things that they really don't weren't meant to apply. Now, I do think I do hold to the to the view that there is one meaning behind every text, but there are many applications. And so can you say the Lord is there with us where two or three are gathered? Yeah, but that was not the original meaning. That was not the original intent. Understand the original meaning. Keep the text in context. Okay? That's the most important thing. Secondly, investigate the scriptures historically. I understand that not everybody is as big of a history buff as I am. I understand that. But we still have to understand what's going on during the times that the Scripture was being written. If you don't understand the historical backdrop to, say, the book of Daniel, if you don't understand that Daniel is an exile in Babylon, 
that, that he is a Jewish exile in Babylon, that he's been taken to this foreign land. He's living in a foreign land and was taken at a young age. If you don't understand the, uh, the, the, if you don't understand that point and you don't understand the Babylonian invasion of Israel or of Judah, you're not going to understand the book of Daniel. Because the Daniel is written for a for a group of believers in exile. Okay, if you don't understand that, you're not going to understand the book. If you don't understand the cultural backgrounds of the New Testament, um, you're going to misunderstand a lot of what it says. Uh, you just you just are okay. Um, so investigate the scriptures historically. Do a little background information. Understand what was going on. Understand the times. Understand the events that were taking place. Uh, this can bring out the scriptures in a vivid fashion. In fact, I'll be honest with you, as I always try to be honest with you, but I'll just be blunt. I feel closest to God. Uh, this is going to sound weird, but this is the truth. I feel closest to the Lord when I'm doing historical research or theological research into his word. I feel closest to the Lord, especially, you know, doing systematic theology, absolutely, but especially when I'm doing historical research because it almost makes me feel like I am in the time. It's almost in my mind, my imagination transports me back to the days and it makes the scripture come alive. So you have to understand it historically. Sometimes word studies will help us in this regard. Um, to see how historically a word is being used, as Dr. Kevin King has said, that this may require us to do some uh, investigation into the original languages, but as Dr. Kevin King has said, that if you read the Bible in English, it's like reading, it's like watching a program on television in a black on a black and white monochrome television screen. But if you read it in the original languages, it's like watching a movie on high def 4H screen, full color, full depth, full clarity. It's that big of a difference, and I would agree with him on that. And I'm certainly no scholar in Greek or Hebrew. I understand more Greek than I do Hebrew. I, I have to work harder with Hebrew than I than I, I do Greek, but um, Greek came easier to me. It seems like, but nonetheless, historically, part of that is doing word studies, understanding how words were used. That's going to help us understand the Scripture, and that's going to help us in our to recover an authentic Christianity. Investigate the Scriptures culturally. Number three, what was going on with society? Okay. A good classic example of this is found in Jesus' parable of the Good Samaritan. Culturally speaking, we, we, uh, um, if, if, if we see the Good Samaritan, we, we understand the story of, uh, of, of uh, this guy who was traveling down the road. This guy was traveling down the road, and he was, uh, um, sees this other person who's hurt on the side of the road, helps him, bandages him up. Previously, Jewish authorities, uh, the Jewish religious leaders of the day passed on by the guy, didn't help him out. And we, we understand the Good Samaritan was the hero of the story. But when you understand the fact, socially speaking, culturally speaking, that Samaritans were hated by the Jews and Jews were hated by the Samaritans, you begin to see a depth that you may not pick up otherwise. For Jesus to, to say to a group of Jews... 
to give this uh, parable to his own Jewish uh, brethren and, and sisters, to use the Samaritan as the hero, hero would be like going to, uh, not that the Jews were this bad, I'm not saying that, but, but it would be likened to him going to a white supremacist gathering using a black man as the hero of the story or going to a, a, a black militant society of some sort like the Black Panthers and using a white man as a as the hero or, or something of that sort. I mean, you can fill in the blanks with, with whatever the case may be. There is a huge implication socially, culturally, that is in the parable of the Good Samaritan that's often missed if we don't do a little background study, a little background information. So, First, investigate the scriptures contextually. Second, investigate the scriptures historically. Third, investigate the scriptures culturally. And fourth, investigate the scriptures religiously. Now, what I mean here is going back and understanding that Christianity was birthed out of Judaism. Okay, we need to understand that. In fact, I was even having a conversation with someone this past week online and who is a Catholic, and uh, I may pick up some heat on this, but I don't care because it's the truth, that Protestants were birthed out of Catholicism. We are children of a Roman Catholic Church. Now, that may startle you to find that out, but historically speaking, it's true. Protestants came out of the, the, the Roman Catholic Church. In fact, Martin Luther's intent was not to break away from the Catholic Church. His intent originally was to reform the Catholic, the, the, the Catholic Church. Now, that didn't happen. You know, there was a big split, of course, you know, uh, that, uh, that, that took place. But uh, nonetheless, we are children of Catholicism. Protestants are. Now, some people may say, Brian, you've gone off the deep end. You're it's just the truth. It's the truth. We have to understand our history. Also, in like manner, Christianity is a, is birthed out of Judaism. It is a child of Judaism. Christianity, in fact, just as Martin Luther was trying to reform the Catholic Church and there was a, they're breaking away, Jesus was bringing about the new covenant first to the Israelites. He first came to Israel. And he wanted to reform Judaism back to the very intention by which God had planned for it to be. A relational walk with him. Uh, and so, so Jesus was Jewish. The early disciples were Jewish. They went to synagogue. Jesus celebrated Hanukkah. Uh, he, he, so Christianity is a Jewish religion. And so it's just like I, I um, you know, we have to understand that, um, well, let me, let me go back to that point here in a minute. But a, a good example of this has come from my latest reading of Arnold Fruchtenbaum's book, Yeshua, which is the Aramaic Hebrew version of Jesus. Uh, Jesus, or Yeshua, is a derivative of Yehoshua, uh, or Yeshua, uh, which, uh, which I I'm emphasizing the ah. I mean, you know, the original version would have an H at the end of Yeshua. But anyhow, it's shortened to Yeshua with the uh, uh, Aleph at the end. But anyhow, I'm getting off topic. Yeshua is the name of Jesus, okay? Uh, it's the Hebrew Aramaic version of Jesus. It's, anyhow, the book is called Yeshua, the Life of Messiah from a Messianic Jewish Perspective. 
And I learned from his book that the Logos principle in John's Gospel may not have been influenced as much by Greek philosophy as one might think concerning the Logos in John chapter 1, as much as it was from a Jewish understanding of what is called the Mimra, uh, which is Aramaic for word. Devar is the word in Hebrew uh, for word. But anyhow, it, it came from an understanding of this, uh, uh, which is holds many similarities to the Greek philosophy of the Logos, but there are differences. And one of the key differences is that there is a connection between the Mimra and Yahweh, uh, God the Father. There is a connection, deep connectiveness between 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 them. And I wrote an article describing this on Bellator Christie earlier this week, if you'd like to check it out. But... Uh, but but anyhow, I, I encourage you to go and, and check out that uh, that article. Uh, let me see if I can pull it up here real quickly. Uh, but it talks about the distinctions between uh, or the understanding of Mimra and um, and 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 God, uh, the Word and God. So uh, is is the article is called "It's on Bellator Christie is uh, published uh, uh, December third. Uh, it's called. Was John's use of the Logos a Jewish concept? And I talk about that the Memra is the same as God, but it holds certain distinctions. The Memra is involved with creation. The Memra is an agent of salvation. The Memra is a manifestation of God. There's a key distinction between um, the, the Logos principle in Greek philosophy and the Memra principle of Jewish theology. Uh, and then the Memra is the signer of covenantal agreements, which is different. Uh, the Memra is a revealer of revelations, uh, which is uh, distinct there as well. So I'd encourage you to go to the website and check that out uh, for more information on that. But anyhow, we need to go back and understand the Jewish culture. And last but certainly not least, let me review before I close. Uh, first of all, investigate the Scriptures contextually. Keep the Scriptures in context. Investigate the Scriptures historically. See what was going on historically during that time. Investigate Investigate the scriptures culturally. Understand the culture, the socioeconomic status, uh, the socioeconomic conditions that were taking place during those days. Investigate the scriptures religiously. Understand the religion of the time, uh, what was going on with the different sects in uh, Judaism, uh, understanding the theology of the time in the Old Testament, and then the connectiveness that uh, it occurs between the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament, otherwise the Hebrew Bible, and the New Testament. You have to understand the Old Testament to understand the New Testament because there's an interconnectedness between the two. But lastly, investigate the essentials of the faith and realize your own biases. Understand we have biases. Okay, Understand we are influenced by many factors. We are influenced by American individualism. Okay, Ask yourself, is this what the Bible promotes? Is it promoting an individualistic ideology or is it promoting community? Okay, We're also influenced by Western idealism. Okay, uh, Where um, it, it's about the... Um, well, they're just distinctions... Uh, you know, individualism, the pursuit of happiness. Not that there's anything wrong with that, okay? There's nothing, not anything necessarily wrong with that. But the honor and shame culture of, of Eastern world is going to affect our understanding of what's taking place. European influences over the time. Um, 
the Reformation has had an influence on our understanding. Medieval ages, post-apostolic fathers. I mean, we we have been inundated with 2,000 years of culture. Some of that very relevant, some of it very good. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with American culture or Western culture or anything of the sort. But I am saying that if we want to get back to essential Christianity, we need to understand what the people of the day believed what was going on then? We have to also understand the essentials of our faith. Now, you know, if you know me, you know I break down theology in four different levels. Primary, primary doctrines are your essential doctrines. It's what makes Christianity what it is. Secondary doctrines are kind of like the systematic theologies that develop, develop from the primary doctrines. This is how we connect them together. The tertiary doctrines are the application of the secondaries. okay, And then the quaternary, the fourth level, are opinions about how to implement the tertiaries. Unfortunately, we place more emphasis on tertiary and quaternary issues than we do on essentials. Church polity, how we do this, how we do that, we focus more on those issues. We focus more on politics, we focus more on these social issues than necessarily we do the primary essentials of the faith. That's not to say that social issues aren't important. There are many things in which we as Christians need to be involved and take, and on which we need to take a stand. But, in, but what I'm trying to say to you is we can never lose the love that we're supposed to have for our fellow man. We can never lose certain issues um, certain aspects of our theology. If we do, then quite honestly, we're promoting not so much a biblical worldview, but we're promoting a cultural worldview. And when we hear about statistics about Christianity um, growing less and less, what we're seeing is not essential, genuine Christianity dropping numbers. We're seeing cultural Christianity dropping numbers. And there is a distinction between cultural Christianity and genuine Christianity. So folks, I hope that uh, some things that were said in the podcast today will help us to recover authentic Christianity and to decipher it from a cultural way. You've been listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast. This is Brian Chilton saying God bless, and we'll see you back the next time that we enter the arena. The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of BellatorChristi.com or its affiliates. The Bellator Christi podcast is a production of BellatorChristi.com and is protected under Creative Commons copyright. All rights reserved. The theme song is Crucified, written by John and Kayla Lemonese, performed by Crosby Lane, and produced by Mansion Entertainment. Be sure to visit bellatorchristi.com and subscribe so that you can receive all the articles and podcasts in your inbox for free. Catch us on iTunes, TuneIn, and Stitcher. For Brian Chilton, this is Burl Childers saying God bless, and we'll see you the next time as we enter into the arena of ideas. Crucified.